God uses ordinary people. He does in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he lets us see all into the personal lives of the people that he called. Thank God for the Old Testament because it gives us a realistic view of people who were good and bad, who were strong and weak, who were right and wrong, who were victorious and victimized. It, it helps us to assess our own life, that your life is not going to be a straight line. It's not going to be a straight horizontal. There's going to be peaks and valleys and uprisings and downsetting, such as life. Somebody was talking to me the other day about something they were going through, and I told them life is doing what life does. Life is just doing what life does. It's not a demonic attack. It's not spiritual warfare. Life is just doing what life does. It gives and it takes. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It has moments of victory and it has moments of defeat. Such is the case with the character before us today. He's an interesting character. I must admit that if I were Jesus, I probably would not knowingly have, 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 have gotten involved with this guy. There are certain people if you get involved with them, they're going to be a lot of work. All of us are going to be some work. There are certain people that's going to be a lot of work. This guy, this guy was a lot of work. I would have tried to, if I only had 12 guys in three years to get it all done, I'd try to pick 12 of the best to make it easy so that I didn't have to waste time ministering inwardly while I'm trying to reach outwardly. But such is life. Such is life. You're always ministering outwardly and inwardly simultaneously. You're always trying to be a message to the world and not lose your own house. You're always trying to encourage somebody and wrestling with discouragement inside of yourself. Uh, where are my real people at? But Jesus had to get a hold of this guy because this guy did not know who he was. When Jesus first met him, he is one of the first disciples Jesus picked. This guy thought he was just a businessman. He thought he was a business owner. He had a fishing company, he had a fishing fleet. He went out every day to fish. When Jesus, when Jesus first met him, that's how he saw himself, as a fisherman. And Jesus had a higher vision of him and said, I will make you fishers of men. Right now you're fishers of fish. You're doing what you're gonna do on a lower level. Your history is always a glimpse of what you're gonna do in your destiny. God's going to take something that you already did and take it to the next level and use it to bless you. You're going to the next dimension. You're still going to be fishing, but you're going to fish in another kind of way. And he, and he, and he gets a hold of Peter and he comes along on Peter at a time that Peter is washing his nets. He's washing his nets. He thought, thought he was through for the day. And Jesus walks down to the seashore and Peter and Andrew are washing their nets. And Jesus says to him, uh, can I use your boat? Suppose Peter had said no, that's my boat, I don't know you, I might have said no, don't look at me all funny, can I use your car? <laughs> that's the equivalent of somebody strange you don't know just walking up to you saying can I borrow your car? Peter's boat was his livelihood. But he freely, he had a giving spirit. That might be why God chose him. He had a giving, generous spirit. The very thing that all your friends tell you to stop being, that might be the very thing that got him, got his whole life changed. 
He had not become cynical yet. He had not become so suspicious yet. Peter let a stranger borrow his car, I mean his boat. <laughs> I gotta bring it down where you can see the level of sacrifice. Somebody just walk up to you at 7-Eleven and say, let me use your car for a minute. You say, get out of here. And, and all of a sudden, something happens. Because what, Pete, what Jesus is really teaching Peter is, listen to this, his business is his platform. Peter's business becomes Christ's platform. I put you in business so you could have this moment. I didn't put you in this business about the fish. I started you out as a fisherman because I knew I was coming and I was going to need somebody I could trust to take me across the waters. I'm positioning you for purpose, not for profit. Oh my God, I'm preaching already. God didn't put you on that job to make money. God can let money rain down in your backyard if he wanted to. God can let you let somebody just give you some money, win some money, walk away with some money. God puts you on that job for purpose. And a relationship ensued. When Jesus got through preaching on Peter's boat, there was a connection, there was a tie, almost like an Elijah-Elisha moment. It was a tie where, where Jesus says to Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In order to follow Jesus, he had to walk away from what he had in mind. The hardest thing in the world is to walk away from what you had in mind. He had, he had never got up that morning thinking, I'm going to stop fishing and start driving this guy around. <laughs> that was not what he was planning to do for the next three years of his life. But for the next three years of his life, he becomes an Uber driver. Moving Jesus from place to place. Having an encounter with Jesus that was life changing. And, and, and his life would never be the same again. He, not only does he become Jesus' driver on the water, he has encounters because of his connection with Jesus that he would have never had any other way. Peter got, he, Peter got to walk on the water. Be, just because he was connected to Jesus. It does matter who you're connected to. There are certain perks and certain benefits and certain favors that come, not because of who you are, but because of who you're connected to. You get to have some experiences just because you're connected to the right people. That's why the enemy is trying to isolate you. Because many times your blessing is in your relationship with the very person he's trying to cut you off from. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Your, your next is in your connections. Your next is in your connection. And Peter has a next. And all of a sudden he becomes a part of Jesus' inner circle. Inner circle. Inner circle with Jesus. The Messiah. The son of David. The seed of Abraham. The root of Jesse. The I am. The mighty God. 
the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Kinsman Redeemer, the Day Star, the Lily of the Valley, the Son of God, Emmanuel, Jehovah Sikhanu, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Manna. He becomes in the inner circle with El Shaddai. Oh God, can you imagine what it's like to be just kicking it with Jesus? It's one thing to come worship him. It's another thing to be at Starbucks with Jesus. Hey Jesus, let's stop at McDonald's and get a Big Mac and fry. Just kicking it with Jesus. He was in the inner circle and he got to do things he would have never done. He would have never got to walk on the water had he not been connected with Jesus. He never would have gotten to see the woman with the issue of blood get, get healed if he wasn't connected with Jesus. He never would have seen blind Bartimaeus' eyes open up, but he got it because he was connected to Jesus. Is anybody connected to Jesus? There's some blessings you're going to get just because you're connected with Jesus. There's some blessings you're going to get because you're connected with Jesus. He was part of the inner circle. And he probably had less reason to be in the inner circle. If God would judge like men, Peter would have never made the cut to be in the inner circle. He was the most unlearned of all the disciples. He was not there because he was an intellectual. He was not there because he was educated, but he had something about him. There's a thing that God puts inside of people that transcends your background, your intellect, your IQ. If you got education and don't have that thing, you still might not be successful in life. There's a thing God gives you. I don't even know what to call it. It's nebulous. It's indescript. It's hard to find. You can't manufacture it and you can't will it to anybody. You either got it or you don't. There's a thing. Glory to God. Peter had that thing about him. He was rough around the edges, but he had that thing about him. And Jesus took him everywhere. Took him up on the Mount of Transfiguration and showed him the glory that should be. Showed him the future. Allowed him to see amazing things of which Peter didn't even know how to respond to. Peter got excited because Peter was a man of action. And whenever you show Peter something, he's going to do something. He said, let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you. Let's build three of them. He said, calm down. Calm down. Peter was excited when he saw Jesus walking on the water. Hey, if that's you, bid me to come. I'm going out there where you are. Peter was excited. He was excited. He was rambunctious. He was so rambunctious. When they came to get Jesus, he cut out his sword and said, the devil is alive. I got to admit, sometimes it's nice to have a few Peters in the crowd. Just, you know, it's a good feeling. <laughs> you know, I get tired of people who say they're with you, but when you're in a fight, they won't say nothing. <laughs> Them people make me nervous. Those people who come back and telling you what everybody said about you, and you know that that means that they didn't say nothing. <laughs> Peter, it was clear whose side he was on. There was no ambiguity about where he stood. In a fight, Peter pulled his sword and said, I'll take you out right now. Cut the man's ear right off his head. So you know he was aiming high. 
He wasn't the guy who pulled out his sword and stabbed the guy in the foot. He cut his ear off. He said, don't come over here no more. It's going to get worse. You got to have the courage. Do you have the courage to act outwardly on what you see inwardly? Or will you die a dreamer? Will you die on the verge and on the edge and in the land of coulda, woulda, and shoulda? Do you have the courage? I'm, I'm going to drop something on you. It takes courage to be successful. It is far easier not to be successful. Misery will always have company. Success breeds contempt. If you don't want to make waves, be mediocre. Be normal and fit in. And if you're more concerned about people than you are God, then neutralize everything he put in you. Just fit in with everybody else. Dress like them, walk like them, act like them, eat like them, go where they go, think like they think, do what they do. And once you've neutralized your uniqueness, you don't need courage. It takes courage to be different. It takes courage to go where you've never gone before. For some of you, it took courage to come to this conference. It takes courage to get you outside of the box. It takes courage to be successful. It takes courage to win. People don't talk about people that don't win. If you win, they're gonna talk about you. Do you have the courage to stand there though the storms keep raging and the people get to talking and you stand there and say, I've come too far to turn around? Do you have the courage? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something to you. It takes courage to be exceptional. It takes courage to be wise. It takes courage to be rich. It takes courage to be educated. It takes courage to be knowledgeable. Because the moment you do, but you, you don't talk like, oh, you don't got, forgot where you came from. Look at you, talk to you. It takes courage. And I'm just wondering, in this weak, watered-down, mediocre society that we live in today, in this reality TV world we live in today, I'm wondering if there's anybody left that's got the courage to say, after all I've been through, and all my ancestors have been through, and all my parents have been through, I didn't come through all of that just to fit in with normalcy. I have the courage to go after my dream. Is there a woman left in this entire Coliseum that's got so 